It's cutting into your exercise time. It's stabbing you in the back nine. And it's attacking your peace of mind. It's pain, and it's getting in between you and the life you want to live. CBD Medic targets your pain at its source. It's fast-acting relief with active OTC ingredients, plus the added benefits of THC-free hemp oil. Get back to your life with CBD Medic, available online and at CVS. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whatever time of day you are listening to this, this is Keith Roberson, and you are tuned into I Pray This Helps. I Pray This Helps is a podcast meant to speak on the less spoken about. This episode, I had the privilege of interviewing a dear friend of mine by the name of Shakira Wesley, who has started a website based on healthy dieting. However, it's not your run-of-the-mill health tip site. She created it for two very special reasons. Let's take a listen, and I pray this helps. Okay, guys, we're here at, uh, where are we? We're in Starbucks. Barnes & Noble's. We're in Barnes & Noble's. We're in Starbucks, which is in Barnes & Noble's mm-hmm. in Cumberland. Yep. And um, I'm with Shakira Wesley. You don't hyphenate, do you? Nope. All right. That's good. My tea just burnt <laughs> my mouth, guys. All right. <clears throat> so um, is it is it a company or an organization that we're talking about today? An organization. Yeah. I'm not um, like 501c3, okay. like nonprofit. Yet, okay. amen. Mm-hmm. But um, I would say an organization, and it's called We Eat for Life. Okay, so tell us what is We Eat for Life? Um, we Eat for Life is an organization that I started to build awareness on the powers of eating healthy and how it can positively affect sickle cell disease. And um, what prompt? What prompted you to come up with this idea? Um, my son and my daughter were both diagnosed with sickle cell disease when they were born and after Jordan that's my daughter after she was born my youngest um I really felt like I needed to share what I was doing because it seemed like every doctor's appointment we ever had the doctors were or the nurse practitioners were always like you know your kids are the healthiest kids I've ever seen oh my goodness they're just doing so amazing Mm -hmm. and so I felt like God was telling me I needed to start something but I was kind of chicken and so I was like, I told Tyreek, I'm like, yo, I'm going to do this. Cause Tyreek he used, is. Oh, Tyreek is my husband. Tyreek is my husband. And he used to always tell the kids, we train for life, we eat for life. And then um, we went to a doctor's visit, and the nurse practitioner was like, you really need to write down what you're doing. And I felt like that was confirmation of what God had already told me. And so that's how it all got started. So tell us... Um I mean, I know it has. It's kind of like a dumb question, but how has it changed your life, um, sickle cell anemia? Um, I think the biggest thing for me would be in my everyday life is my eating habits. I never have really been like a super healthy eater. I mean, I would, I like vegetables, but now we're in a position where we're trying to transition into vegan um, because so many foods like meats and processed foods and sugars and fried foods, all that stuff causes inflammation and that can in turn cause a crisis. And so I think Mm. for me and my husband, it's been the eating factor has been the biggest change Um, and the frequent doctor's visits because the kids have to go every three months Mm. on top of their regular pediatrician. Wow. but it's 
it's been hard, but it's it's adjusting. I just I didn't know what sickle cell was. It was kind of like this thing that you heard about mm-hmm. that was off in the distance. Because my mom always told me never to marry somebody with sickle cell trait. Because mm. um, I have the trait, my husband has the trait, mm. and that's how you end up having kids with sickle cell disease. Mm. There's a 25% chance that your children will have the disease if you and your spouse both have um, the trait. And so it was kind of like this far off thing, but I never knew anybody with it really. Mm. I had one friend in college. Um, but that was it. So I didn't understand the severity of it right. until it was in my face every single day. And my son would literally be fine one day. And then the next, he's crying in his sleep because he can't move his arm. So mm. I just think it's the doctor's visits, the constant trying to avoid pain even though I'm not sure if that's even 100% possible to avoid it completely mm-hmm. um, and then the food I think those are the biggest the three biggest things for me so um, obviously it was a drastic life change and changing your diet is like a super like I know it's hard <laughs> for me to change my diet you know what yeah, I mean so yeah. you know so changing changing your life apparently um during those times, I mean, during those times, like, when it's, like, super apparent that, you know, your kids are going through certain or going through a crisis, mm-hmm. are, is there ever a time in which you've been upset at God about this? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, when I first found out that Tyson had it, so everybody gets tested um, in the United States when they're born. Okay. And so you get a phone call about a week later if they have the trait or the disease. And so Tyson was about a week old when we found out. And I was furious because I just knew he wasn't going to have it. Like, mm-hmm. I was so confident. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever been so confident in something that God was absolutely going to do this and that he didn't do it. Mm-hmm. And so I was furious. Right. I was like, okay, I don't know what you're trying to do, mm-hmm. but Okay. And mm-hmm. I kind of just was like, I was mad, but then Tyson wasn't having any com- any complications. And so I was right. like, oh, okay. Right. Okay, God, you're showing that you can have this disease and not have no problems. Mm. So that's what I'm thinking in my mind. Mm. And his hemoglobin was really high, which is something that happens when you have sickle cell. It's really, really low, which causes you to have to get blood transfusions and all this. Um, but his was always high. And he, they say a lot of times... Most people have complications around six months old. Tyson, it was, I mean, he was just regular, normal baby. Mm-hmm. And so I found out I was pregnant with Jordan when he was eight months. Oh, oh wow. And <laughs> yeah, it was quick, not <laughs> planned. Um, but mm. in my mind, I was thinking, oh, my goodness, it's going to be the cure. Because the only cure that we have right now is a bone marrow transplant. And it has to be from a sibling that matches. And so I was like, okay, God, you give me Jordan Mm. so that she can be the cure. Mm. So I banked her core blood knowing like this is, this is what's going to happen. Like thinking, I just know all God's plans. And a week later after Jordan was born, I got a phone call and they were like, she has sickle cell disease also. And I just broke down. By then Tyson was Almost 17 months. Right. And I was like, okay, God, I don't know what you're doing. I just don't know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. He Tyson still had never had any complications, which was amazing. 
And so even through all of this, God is still showing us grace. But it's like, it was just hard to see it. Um, Mm -hmm. It wasn't until a week after Tyson's second birthday that he had his first crisis. And um, I was angry. I was Mm -hmm. angry. And that was when I really started with We Eat For... That was when I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, we really got to crack down. Like, they were already eating organic and no sugars, no white sugar, no processed foods. But then it was like, okay, we're going to have to cut meat down. And so it just... It's been a gradual change. Right. Um, but I'm not perfect. I ain't gonna lie. I had some wings yesterday. <laughs> so, <laughs> and they weren't even that good. That's what made me mad. Yeah, that, but you don't know, you hate that. <laughs> but um, I don't eat like that in front of my kids because mm. I don't want them to feel like I'm having something that they can't have. So, yeah. so I mean that leads into my next question. I'm not gonna say that you're past it or anything like that. But I was, I guess. Like, how do you get through it each day? And I suppose that's what this is doing for you. We eat for life is, in a way, I mean, you tell me mm-hmm. in your own words, like, is is that a part of your process of not necessarily getting over it, but continuing on? To get through it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I, I think we eat for life is. And I also think that, you know, um... I do read my word, mm. and I lead a small group, actually, oh, wow. a very small group at my church. Um, I know North this. Point. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> I know this. And uh, we did a series. I had picked the rest to do a series called In the Meantime. And In the Meantime is just basically when everything feels like hell around you, basically. Right. Um, and what do you do in that time? And one of the lessons that we ended up doing was... It was basically, the bottom line was, God is going to use whatever this is that you're going through for his glory. Mm. And I've heard it a thousand times, you know, but it didn't click to me until I was, like, in it. And I was like, okay, God, like, I know this sucks. And I wish you could show me this or teach me whatever it is you're teaching me another way. And it wasn't my kids. I'd rather be me. Mm. Um, But... I'm going to trust and believe that you're going to use this for your glory. And that's what helps me get through the rough times and the rough moments when we're in the hospital and the doctors are saying, like, crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, well, he looks fine now, but he might not be here tomorrow. And, like, yes, it's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Mm. So I think that's what gets me through the hard times. Like, God, I know no matter what happens, you're going to use this for your glory. Mm. And so I just try to keep that at the front of my mind so that, I don't live in a constant anger, honestly, because it's right. easy to be there. Absolutely. It's easy to Agreed. be there. Yeah. Um, I mean, you spoke to it, or, or to this next question, you spoke to it a little bit. Um, as you and your children and your family really are going through this, what has it taught you and what is it teaching you? What has it taught you and what is it currently teaching you? Um... I think to trust in God and honestly to be disciplined. Right. Um, there are certain things that I try to make sure I do every single day to make sure that they don't have a crisis. So, like, yeah. I check how much water intake they get. I give them a load of vitamins, which you can find on weeatforlife.com. Um, That's good. <laughs> look. That's good. Um, I give them um, chlorophyll 
which is something that is basically has almost the same exact chemical makeup as hemoglobin, except for the center atom. And so I try to make sure they get that every day. Mm. So there's like a checklist of things that I make sure that I do every single day with my kids. And when I forget, I feel like a part of me feels like, oh, my God, something might happen, even though I know even if I do it every day, something could still happen. Mm. But it's taught me no matter what, how to keep that on my mind mm-hmm. and to remember, like, you know, you have to do things. There are certain things that just need to get done no matter what's happening in life. Right. And so I think it's taught me discipline. So what advice do you have for parents out there that are battling with sickle cell? I would say know that when it gets hard, you can trust in God, even when it feels like you can't. Know that you can trust in God. I would also say no one knows your child better than you. I don't care mm. what the doctors say. I don't care what the nurse practitioners say. I don't care what the hematologists and all the other people we have to see say. You know your baby. Mm. Like, you're with them every single day. You watch them like nobody else can watch them. Mm. And so you know what a pain is, whether the doctors say, oh, they're not, not, they're not having a crisis because their blood levels are amazing. No. Yeah. You know how your child reacts. Mm. So trust your gut and trust that you know your child and push back on the doctors when they say things like, oh, well, they should be fine because their hemoglobin levels look good. Push back on that. It doesn't have to be this, I'm about to cuss the doctor out and all of that disrespect, but you have the right as a parent to let them know, like, I know my baby and I know what's going on. Right. Um, And also, research it for yourself. Don't just take what they say as Bible. Yeah, it seems Um, as though you've done a lot of research on this. Now, I mean, of course, with the website and all of that stuff. I mean, I know, I mean, you're a mother. Right. And, like, your children (laughs) have this disease, but it seems like you're very knowledgeable about it. And, yeah, it seems like you're not just taking whatever the doctor is saying. Because you can't. I mean, you just really can't. I remember one time Tyson, we had to rush him to the emergency room because... I felt like he was having a crisis in his stomach and one of his organs, I don't know what was happening. He did too. So we took him to the doctor and they're like, oh, he's just gassy. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. Uh, That's all we see on the x-ray is gas, maybe a little constipation. Meanwhile, Tyson poops every single day, not to be, Mm. you know, extra on here. But I'm like, I know my son's body. (laughs) I'm like, it's more than that. And Mm. I know gas hurts more than this. Like, Mm. it doesn't feel like this. Gas don't feel like what he's going through. Right. And so they gave him um, some, like, Miralax or something. And after he pooped and the gas went away, he was still in excruciating pain. And I'm like, he's having a crisis. Now, he may have very well had gas, Mm -hmm. but he was also having a crisis somewhere in his stomach. And I'm like, the doctors, because there is no technology as of yet to see where a crisis is happening they can't say for definite, this is a crisis, this is not a crisis. It's always an assumption based mm-hmm. off of blood tests or what the child is saying or what you're saying. Right. That's what it is. They're, they have no other way of knowing. There's nothing that they can put in your system and look at and nothing they can wave over an arm to see like, oh, okay, your blood is congested in this area right. or your cells are clogged in this area. There's, there is no technology for that right. as of yet. Right. So... They are basically guessing mm-hmm. whether they say 
well, they're having a crisis or where they're not having a crisis. They don't mm. know. They know how to help when the blood levels are down. You get a blood transfusion. Mm. They know, <laughs> but it's like they just they don't know. So they don't know everything. They do know a lot, and I'm not on here to bash doctors because I know it's a hard job, and especially <laughs> with sickle cell disease. But because not everybody wants to research it. I'm serious. I yeah. mean, it's it's. I've heard so many stories, and there are so many negative connotations that come with having sickle cell disease, especially as an adult, because it mainly affects African Americans and Latinos in America. Right. So. Right. Yeah, I um, I was telling a counterpart of mine yesterday that I was getting ready to do an interview today, and he's white, and he'd never even heard of it. Right. And I and I had to remember, oh yeah, it's most prominent in mm-hmm. African Americans yeah. and people of color. Yeah, but we even get less funding though mm. from the government. Like, and I am almost positive it's cystic fibrosis, but don't quote me on that. But there are to every one person with cystic fibrosis, there are eight people in this country with sickle cell disease. Mm. But they get way wow. more government funding. But wow. cystic fibrosis does not affect African Americans. Mm. It affects Caucasians. And so it's like... Wow. But I mean, when you... Oh, my goodness. When you just look at the history of sickle cell disease it's, it's and what the government has done, in all honesty, we wouldn't even have any government funding was it not for the Black Panther Party. Mm. I mean, it's just so much stuff that when you start researching, it's like, dang, they really was like, we don't care about y'all. Mm. And that's how it is now. Still, it just... So... I'm, that's a constant prayer of mine that things will change. Well, I mean that's a rabbit hole. We could, I know yeah, you we could just you could go mm-hmm. on forever with that. For sure. That's what I'm I like mean, I'm not even gonna go all the way into it, but just Google. Yeah, it. you guys. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's am- not amazing, but that's incredible how deeply rooted that stuff is. Yeah. Wow, and I mean I guess we're talking about it. Like I guess I suppose like a disease is the pinnacle of it all. To where you would just see, you could see how systemic it is. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yep. That's crazy. I know someone who's a nurse, and she once said to me, I was expressing my frustration with the way the doctors handle my kids, and with, and at the time I didn't realize that it was not just my kids, but even when they become adults, it becomes worse. And she was like, "Well, you know, a lot of times it's mm. because they're addicts." And I said, "What?" And she was like, well, you know, it's just this negative stereotype or negative connotation that comes with grown-ups that have sickle cell disease that they're, they're addicts and they're addicted to, to pain pills. And I'm like, one, I feel like that is the most disgusting thing mm. I think I've ever heard, even though it's real and doctors legit just think they're just going there to get drugs. Mm-hmm. But two, I feel like if they were, it would be their fault. I have told... The last two times I've had to take Tyson to the emergency room, I've had to tell them, do not give him morphine. Mm. Don't give him oxy. Mm. Don't give, like, because they will just willingly give it to a three-year-old or a four-year-old. Mm. And then you wonder why. It's not that they're an addict, but it's like once you start right. taking certain drugs so young to deal with pain, it will no longer work. Right you will build up right. an immune to it. Right. So you have to take something stronger and stronger right. and stronger. So it's not like, oh, I just need all the drugs. It's like, no, you've been giving me 
freaking narcotics right. since I was a baby, right. almost. Right. Like my my kids, I them them are babies. I don't care what you say. Like yes, they're toddlers, but that's a baby. Right. You've been giving me narcotics since then, and you think that I'm not gonna need a stronger and stronger and stronger narcotic as I get older. This is 18 years. You know what I'm saying? 17, 16 years of constant use of narcotics, and then as soon as I hit 20, 18, you're like, oh, no, I don't want to give you none of that no more. Well, mm. how the heck am I supposed to get rid of my pain exactly. when I build up an immune to it? Right. So Motrin ain't going to work. Right. Yeah, yeah, So it's like, yeah, it's just, <laughs> right. it's ridiculous the things that you have to go through with this disease. But I'm hopeful and I'm prayerful that things will absolutely change. And that's why I got weed for life out. That's why awesome. I want to help build awareness because even though sickle cell disease affects the black community more than any other community in the United States, if you don't know somebody with it, it doesn't touch you. My whole life, right. I didn't know anything about it. I had the trait, and I didn't, I didn't understand it. Right. I knew, like, I did a little project in middle school on it, and it was like, oh, okay, numbers, but that was it. Right, I never right. really got into it like, yo, this can kill you. Mm-hmm. Like, and it kills mm-hmm. every day. Like, yeah. I didn't know that. And so I think I think that's why I want to shout it to the mountaintops and tell everybody I can because not only do I want you to know that this disease is a chronic disease, but I want you to know there are things that you can do that the doctors will not tell you mm-hmm. that can be helpful. Right. It's not going to take it away because I don't, you know what I'm saying, that's not... I don't have that yet. Maybe God will give me a cure. Mm. I don't know, but it's not mm. that yet. But mm. it can help. Um, right. But the doctors won't tell you because I asked them repeatedly, well, how will the diet change? That was one of the things my husband asked every single time we went to the doctor. Well, what about diet? How can it help? And the only thing they ever said was, oh, just a regular diet is good. Just a regular diet is good. Mm. Just make sure you get a regular diet. Mm. Not telling you, well, you might want to make sure you take vitamin C because that helps in the production of red blood mm. cells. And people with sickle cell disease, their red blood cells only last 10 to 20 days, whereas someone who doesn't have it, their red blood cells last 120 days. Mm. Like something just as simple as that. You could have dropped some knowledge on me, but you didn't say that. And so, man. I know that we've we've talked about it, not at length or anything like that, but I guess the last time I saw you, there was a frustration with, you know, with the church's awareness about it and the church's care for people with mm-hmm. this disease um, not just the church but how can your friends come alongside and help or people just in your life how can they care for people that have this disease I would say do heart checks ask how your heart is um, it's heavy a lot of the times as a parent advocating for a child with sickle cell disease or children with sickle cell disease. It's, it gets heavy sometimes. Um, mm. And a heart check is always, always helpful. Just how are you doing? Do you need anything? If you know that their child is in a crisis or if you know if a person, an adult, if you know they're having a crisis, if they're in a crisis, go see them at the hospital and make sure that the doctors are doing what they're supposed to be doing. I can't tell you how many stories I've heard with grown people that they're stuck in the hospital because the the doctors won't give them the type of attention they need or the type of medicine they need. So they can't leave because they have to be on these drugs, but it's like the drugs aren't working anyway. Right. And so it's just um, ask how they're doing. 
I think that's the biggest thing for me. Um, and if they tell you, man, it's hard right now, offer to pray with them in that mm-hmm. moment. I don't think I realize how good it feels to have somebody pray for you mm. out loud mm. um, until I started my small group, until I started mm. leading the small group. But it's it really does feel good. Mm. Like, it's nice to know, like, oh, well, I'm praying for you. That's nice. And I believe it, you right. know. Right. But when I hear those words, it also helps me, lets me repeat those words in rough times. Um, and so, and I would love for churches to, if you have counseling services, to offer those counseling services because sometimes just the prayer isn't enough, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and that's okay to say. That's, yeah. That is okay to say. I know um, some believers have have an issue with that, you know, like, oh, well, all we have to do is pray. It's like, no, some, yeah, yeah sometimes, and I am a, I am a big advocate for prayer. I mean, but sometimes you are the answer to what you're praying for. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And I just, I was a psychology major. So my bachelor's in psychology. So I believe in counseling mm-hmm. and that in, in actual trained licensed counseling, not just I'm praying for you counseling. Not, right. I'm not talking about that kind. Because one of the many issues that you have battling sickle cell disease is your mind, like mental health issues, depression, Mm -hmm. and suicidal thoughts, because it is a battle. Your body is literally killing your organs every day as you move. And it can happen anywhere because the disease is in your blood. So you can have, my kids are 400 times more likely to have a stroke than any, mm. anybody else. So it's like, it is a constant battle. So you can't just say, well, I'm going to pray for you or just pray when I need to talk about the fact that I'm angry. That my body is, it feels like my body's trying to kill me. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like just a prayer is amazing, but you need prayer on top of counseling mm-hmm. sometimes. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying don't pray. Right. But I'm saying sometimes you need both. Um, so I just, I believe counseling is very helpful. And if churches have the ability to do that, I think that they should offer that. And not just for marriages. Like, oh, let's do marriage counseling. Well, that's nice. That's good. But that's good. I'm over here in a state of depression and right. you don't got no counseling for me. Right. You know? Right. So just, mm. I just think that, and that's one thing that I will say but shout out North Point because they do have counseling there and they and it, they are trained licensed counselors that you can go to. So if you have a church that has that, go see them. Don't just sit there and try to battle it on your own, black people, because you know mm. how we are mm-hmm. about going to talk to people. Well, I just did it mm. myself. Just, right. blah, blah. No, we can't handle everything ourselves. Mm. So it's like, go talk to somebody. That's good. I saw an exit, but then I saw some other place that I wanted to go. Okay. How has dealing with this changed your view of your children? Like, how do you look at your kids because of it? I got the strongest babies in the world, man. I have the strongest babies in the world. Yeah. They are amazing. And I know everybody says that about their kids, but two weeks ago, Jordan had a fever. And whenever you have a fever with sickle cell, you got to go to the emergency room just to make sure 
it's not something that can turn into something else. Um, and then they can't fight it off. So we're on the way to the emergency room. And Jordan is in the back seat singing. You made a way. And I'm oh like, my oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. Like, why? The, oh my they, they're amazing. Mm. Like, I have seen Tyson push through pain and limp to go get a toy that mm. he wanted to play with. Mm. Like... It's just an amazing, amazing mental and physical strength that you have to have. Mm -hmm. And I feel like any kid battling sickle cell disease, they're the strongest babies in the world. Wow. Yeah. They just are. Mm. Um, or any disease, not just sickle cell disease, but any kids battling any disease, they are the strongest babies in the world mm. because it is hard. And they do it. And they do it with smiles on their faces. Right. And it's like, man, that's so awesome. Yeah. So I just, that's all. I just think they're the best. Yeah. Shout out to Tyson and Jordan. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, we talked about, we talked about how friends and how your church can help. How can we help right now? Uh, us listening. Us listening? Yeah. I think the biggest thing you can do is donate for research because research needs to happen in order for a cure to be found right now the only thing we have is a bone marrow transplant and that um, is most successful when you have a sibling that matches and so then it's like you know all these other things and just I don't have that you know what I'm saying my kids both my kids have it so in order for me to have a sibling for my babies I would have to go through in vitro <clears throat> and we all know how much money in vitro is like 20 yeah. grand wow. so ain't nobody got 20 grand sitting in their bank account to just go have some babies yeah. so um, donate here if you're here in Georgia you can donate to the Sickle Cell Foundation of Georgia um, I'm pretty sure it's Sickle Cell Foundation of GA dot org um, but if that's not right just google it but there are also um, other foundations if you just google Sickle Cell Foundation it, the national one will come up. So donate. They're always looking for people to, to volunteer. Um, you can volunteer at, at an event. Um, the Sickle Cell Walk of Georgia is coming up next weekend, next Saturday. Um, next Saturday, April 14th. 14th. Yeah. Um, so you can always volunteer to just help at the walk if you don't feel like you have the money, even though every little bit counts, every little bit helps. You can always just volunteer your time. And when you volunteer your time, it will honestly make you more knowledgeable of what people go through. Because when you get to that walk and you see all those T-shirts where it's like, rest in peace, rest in mm. peace. And they're like six, seven years old. Oh, my goodness. It's like, you know, mm. you see what people really go through every day. So right. volunteer your time. Volunteer some money if you have it. Well, donate money. So we can money. we can say it again. We could go to the walk. We can register for this walk. Yeah, you can register for the walk at Sickle Cell foundation of georgia and you can also donate money at the same website at sickle cell foundation of georgia okay so it's sickle cell ga.org and if you go to the events page then you can find the 39th annual sickle cell road race walk i know last year i mean i wasn't able to go but i know you guys had teams mm -hmm. um 
Do you have teams this yeah. year? Yes, I, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I have a team this year. So it's the same team. We eat for life. So if you go and you register and you just say search a team, just type in we eat for life for the, the number four, not the word for. Mm-hmm. And um, my team will pop up and you just click and you can join my team. And it's $30. Yes, it's $30. It's $30 to register and that money goes towards research purposes. Y'all so, doing shirts this year? So I, yes. So we're going to wear the same shirts we wore last year. And then I have about 10 shirts that I'm going to be able to sell this year that are left over from last year. Okay. Um, and they're going to be $20. Okay. But they'll be at the walk. Okay. So. Um, last question. But you don't have to buy a shirt. You can come and just support. What's the last day to register? The last day to register online is Friday. Oh, I can register. But you can register at the walk. So if you miss that window, you can go. You can come to the walk Saturday at uh, 9 a.m. And you can register there. Come I would get the there walk. before 9 if you want to register, though, because the walk starts at 9. So get there like 8.30, 8.50, and um, you can register at the walk. Nice. Um, so tell us again your website, We Eat For Life. Yes, We Eat For Life, number four, dot com. And you can look at pictures of my beautiful babies <laughs> and uh, just see what type of diet that we have and type of vitamins I try to keep in their bodies. And um, here I have a blog on there. I've been writing more, so kind of get more of my personal story and what we've been battling. So we eat for life.com. Number four. Shakira, I thank you so much for doing this with me. Thank you for um, having me. Yeah, I'm definitely going to the walk this year. Felt so bad last year. No, no. <laughs> I no. did feel bad. And I know how Shakira is. Like Shakira <laughs> will write you off. Like, do not you're not a friend. You're not a friend. I'm I'm coming in. <laughs> see, see, there's no rebuttal. No, I'm <laughs> not even going. I'm not going to either. I'm not because you want me to support yourself, not you as in Keith. But yeah. people, people all look. I'm about to go to rant right now. <laughs> people always want you to support their stuff. That's right. Come to their stuff. Mm-hmm. And when it's time for them to support you, they know where to be found. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna say it, and yeah. I ain't shame That's either. Good. No, you shouldn't be. So yeah. now I'll be there if it's, <laughs> if it's my last $30 I'll be there But it's th- And see that's different It's different when it's like you No know, Something no, no, came no. up It's not my last $30 Shakira I know I'm, go- I'm going to be there Okay <laughs> Alright Alright I thank you so much For being here I thank you for Talking about all this stuff And I know I ain't wanted to get Super emotional for you So I No I it's right This was good This was good I appreciate yeah, you I appreciate good. you People need to know What's happening Absolutely Because if it's not close to you, you just don't know. Mm, Exactly. So um, this has been Keith Robinson. You know the expression, you won't believe your eyes? Trust me, you won't. West Virginia is the third most forested state in the U.S. So plan your fall getaway now at wvtourism.com. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... 
Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. Do not forget to buy lentils, or the lentil soup you're making for dinner will be sorely lacking. By the way, Mrs. Calloway says thanks for helping her bundle home in auto. She appreciates the extra savings, even though you kept using the word apropos incorrectly. But the main thing is do not forget to buy, uh, what was it? Something apropos, the lentil soup. Sorry, I'll call you back. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations.